What episode is this? Episode 10? Oh fuck, good, let me check. <laughs> One minute. In case, in case you guys weren't aware, we're actually talking about ADHD today. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is a recurring theme. Uh, this is episode 10, Joy. <laughs> I was right, I just wasn't sure. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Ice Fair, season 2. My name is Joy. And I'm I. And today I think we've got, a, to be honest, this is one of our like really broad topic days. We've narrowed down one big one that we can talk about, the rest will be tangents and fuckery. Um, we're going to be talking about love, death and robots. Um, we are, because you mentioned it on Tuesday when we were playing Raft, and yes. I, went, I went on a complete rewatch. So, so I only got through the first season. It was good. Yeah, so you've rewatched all the season one. So we'll kind of keep it to season one A to D, but I suppose like spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Love Death Robots, because we will talk about as many of the episodes as we kind of can. Um and then other things, yeah, I'd like to talk like there's a bit of ADHD that we want to talk about. There's a bit of like content shocking creation. everyone shocking <laughs> everyone we're going to talk about adhd and content creation and then to be honest I would, I would really like to touch on the game showcase as well um and to be honest i'm i'm gonna do it first uh because i need to get out my system but bethesda absolutely nailed that i mean i think xbox nailed it in general i think they they did like quite a lot of uh, like you know big titles uh, so obviously Starfield was mentioned uh, Senua's Saga Hellblade 2 mm-hmm. um, Fable which I hate but Fable is going to be coming um, someone will like that Star Wars Outlaws looked really cool open world Star Wars game good actually um, from what I saw it was good yeah uh, Cyberpunk DLC uh, City Skylines 2 like fuck yeah let me drown my city in like <laughs> the sewage that i store in the hill above uh, oh, no. there was there's one set on a scottish oil rig a horror game called still wakes the deep which Ooh. like i saw that and i was like i am all in sign me the fuck up we will go to town on that um and yeah there was a there was a bunch of others one of them looked very bioshocky there was like a Mm. It, was called, it was called Clockwork Revolution, and it, it did. It looked like it could have been like Bioshock Four, but it wasn't. Uh, really better. Yeah, and <laughs> and then there's a bunch of other stuff. I think Fallout seventy six got DLC, but Fallout seventy six sucks ass, and uh, a lot of like I think Persona three reloaded, like the remaster of it was announced, mm-hmm. uh, and then. Yeah, Overwatch 2 content, which I kind of, meh. Uh, Lemon scented noodle toxin in the chat just said, Starfield looks suspiciously good. Th- I have to right. agree. It, it, so, it did look suspiciously like for a Bethesda game. <laughs> right, looked- so this this is where I think they've nailed it, right? Because I, like, the last Starfield trailer that we saw, I was really like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. The combat looked really clunky. It didn't look quite there yet. And then all, everything that they showed today looked class. Uh, I, I think if they, if they deliver on that, like deliver on the sandbox, which allows you to do all that stuff, I think it'll be cool. I reject all of your cynicism. I am... Clown makeup is on. We are fucking doing this. Like, 
until you hope. Like Fallout 76 is an outlier, Bethesda doesn't fucking miss except with Fallout 4, Skyrim Anniversary Edition, Fallout 3. You know, there's there's a bunch. But like I I I generally think Bethesda's gonna nail this because it will be it'll be it'll be picked up by the modern community that'll do all kinds of wacky mm-hmm. shit. Um and like I I think one thing that I've 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 always said by Bethesda the create a really good platform for lots of people to then like inject themselves into their games. I mean, like, Joy, how many hours have you got in Skyrim? You've played Skyrim a shit ton. Like, uh, <laughs> I've I've played it for the last ten years. Yeah. Ah. Uh... Right. And like, <laughs> I, and and I've 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 got more playthroughs of like Fallout Four and attempted playthroughs of Fallout Four. Like, I think again. I, I think that's part of Bethesda's jive. I think they do a good job with it. I think they, they get us hyped with all this stuff, everyone buys it, and then the modern community just takes it over the line. Um, so on basic Skyrim, I have 1,030.8 hours. And on special edition, I have... Two... That doesn't look right. 2,000? I'm sure it's more than that. I think it's because um, Mothman and I share Steam accounts, so I think I might have played it on his account as well. But yeah, ah. 3,000 hours roughly-ish. Um, and most of it modded. <laughs> yeah. That's 125 days, Joy. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'll, I'll, and I'll play more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, like, honestly... As, as I think there there will be a lot of people who are really skeptical about it, but I'm I was impressed with what I saw, and I think talent- I want them to do. I want them to get it out the door. I want it to be great because I want them to start working on this the next Elder Scrolls game. That's what I want. <laughs> Yeah, they've been, they've been teasing me oh, with no, Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, for not, God knows how long. Yeah, they've not even started yet. Joy, <laughs> you'll be waiting another seventeen years for that. Um, but no, I like I, it's. I I think I think they'll do a good job with it. Like I I generally think they'll do a good job with it. Looks good. It does look good. Like it yeah. looks as if they've taken their time with it. It will obviously have glitches because the glitches are a Bethesda feature. Oh muscle. yeah. Like, um, but I think it will be genuinely fun to play from what I've seen of it. So if you have a chance after this, Joy, before you have to go to your uh, parent-in-laws um, tonight, what you can do is you can watch. You can watch. They did a they did a Starfield direct, and they put the adoring fan in the game. The adoring fan makes a comeback, and they made a joke in the direct about shooting him in the face. And I think that's what sold me. And I was like, if I get to shoot the Adorn fan in the face, game of the, <laughs> like, game of the year. Like, it, it, like the moment I saw him, I was like, that's the Adorn fan. And then you saw the, like, the character title. And it, it, like, his, his name is Adoring Fan in the yeah, game. Yeah, Adoring like, Fan. And I was okay, like, that's... Like what? Like the end joke... The, the, oh. the, 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 the end joke was... 
in game <laughs> you'd climb to the top of like a a space mountain overlooking this like landscape and you put a shotgun to the back of his head and i was like you know what fuck yeah let's do it um so yeah i'm glad that uh i'm glad that they, they've got this kind of like um ability to laugh at themselves for the adoring fans which is why i think they survive so well yeah um and it's it's just that i think the Skyrim remakes are just kind of a meme at this point. I think they are also. I think they're also yeah. doing it for the bit at this point. Um, yeah. But it's it's they do make solid games. The fact that I Skyrim is a twelve year old game. Is it twelve yeah, years old this year? Yeah, Longer than that. So. Yeah. Maybe. The fact that people still replay it. The fact that people are yeah. still modding for it shows you that it's a solid game. Like yeah. Blue Lights was saying in the chat, like I they only play vanilla and they love it. I will also play vanilla. I just like my mods because I like the characters. I, I love the, the character creation I can have with the yeah. mods. And um, like, I also was... love mods that don't make me go through the start again. That's my main mod is <laughs> don't go through the start. I don't yeah. want to wake up at the cart anymore. It's been 12 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that was one thing. Like Because they, they, they went through character creation and everything uh, like that as well. Um, so you you saw everything in the showcase. Like ship customization. Like one of the women was talking about how like she makes all of her ships look like animals. So she had like a plat platypus ship, oh. and she she made like a spider ship and like you know mechs with arms and stuff. It's just like silliness. Um, and yeah, I'm, I I don't know. I'm I'm fully on board. I was like kind of cautious up until now. Clown makeup is on. Joy, we are locked and loaded. Game of the year. <laughs> the honk. The the big honky nose is on. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, yeah, it looks good. I'm excited. There are a lot of games this year that I'm really excited for. And the ones that I saw for a lot of indie stuff coming out this year, yeah. um, I, I'm enjoying this kind of like the hope punk apocalypse stuff that's coming out. I'm really yeah. actually intrigued by that because a lot of apocalyptic games up until this point have always been everything's hopeless. It's just a shooter. And those games have their place and they are fun. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying the games which are like the one you did the charity stream with. Where you are bringing like plants and water, yes, and ter- yeah. you're, you're, what was that called? Terranil. Yeah, there, I've seen a lot of games that are we are rebuilding after the apocalypse. Let's make things nice. Like yeah. Aftermath is another one where you literally build a nuclear processing facility to get rid of the nuclear waste, and then you can start like in a couple of decades you can start growing food again. Yeah, like, there's this real shift towards. You know, <laughs> the apocalypse happens, it's awful, but we're going to rebuild and we're going to do it together as a community. And um, it's a real shift away from the lone survivor apocalypse genre to the yeah. community survival. We're going to grow plants. like, And I'm like, that's, I mean, that's actually pretty good for my mental health. I appreciate that. Yeah, and you even see that in like Raft that we've been playing. Like Raft yeah. has a lot of that as well. And I think... I'm I'm wondering if it maybe speaks to the kind of political situation that we're in, like kind of the global geo geopolitical landscape of war and famine and pandemic and all the rest is like we're seeing games that started development during that time mm-hmm. now starting to be like, oh well, I I don't really want to make a game about the most depressing like apocalyptic scenario yeah. ever. Because I can get that outside, you know? <laughs> I can uh, literally in New York right now, you can go outside and it looks like the end of days. Yeah. It looked like that here for a while because we were getting all the Canadian smoke as well. And you were going outside and you're like, oh, it smells like burning. 
everything's orange you can see canada on the horizon and it's just like i'm texting all my friends like are you okay uh and then i i come inside i shut everything over turn my purifiers on i'm going this is some sort of dystopian nightmare that in the 90s there would have been like a cartoon about it and all the adults would have been like we'll never let it get to that yeah we're already healing the ozone and now i'm an adult and i'm like you fuckers (laughs) you (laughs) You didn't do anything yeah but I mean, I, like I do, I do think that that's kind of like I mean, I mean, Frostpunk two, we're apparently getting yeah. news on soon. To, uh, to news today, supposedly. So if the news drops in the middle Joy, of the stream, we're dropping everything. Joy, that's <laughs> you, you do understand that's going to happen. I think like the PC like yeah. game showcase is like it in half an hour or something. Yeah. Um, so we can have. That I'm up, aware. Up, I have up, the tab <laughs> up and muted. Yeah, if you find long, <laughs> long stages of us just looking at the screen and oh yeah. Um, this is why we need to be able to do stuff like this live, Joy. We need to get like maybe a yes. new. We'll get a new Ice Fear podcast screen done. But we're we're floating heads, and we've got like we can a, show a, people stuff. Yeah, yeah, a screen in the middle because it'd be cool to watch. But I mean, yeah, Frostpunk to. I, I just want some Silk Song news, you know? That's something yeah. I would love. Um, I am desperate for Manor Lord because they went yes. from coming soon to 20, 2023, 2023, and I have been desperate for that game since 2017. <laughs> I have <laughs> waited for this almost as long as I waited for the new, Sky, the new Skyrim, the new Elder Scrolls. That's the one um, where you're both, like, planning, like, you're basically doing a city builder, but you're also then doing the military aspect of that aren't you yes yeah and, it, and you like... can also go into first person and wander around your village and talk to people and do it i played the demo and it was honestly the most fun i've had since i was in, in my teens playing stronghold 2 right it right, has okay. stronghold 2 kind of vibe of watching everything grow but it's got modern graphics it's i mean when you released it he's like oh it's early access there's still some bugs i'm going there are Triple A games that do not run as smoothly as this. Yeah, yeah. That are not that are not as fun as this. What are you doing? But he's a single <laughs> developer and he's just like it's a love it's a you know labor of love for this guy. Yeah. And he's just painstakingly doing each bit and it is so good and so promising. I'm so desperate for it. No, just absolutely good. as soon as it goes live, you're not gonna see me for like a week. <laughs> I'm going on holidays, I'm taking well, time off. I, I reckon it could be October then. That'd be nice. Probably. I do like how there's the there's like there's phases of like the year. Like we, I seem February was ne- like February used to not be that big in the game world. It used to be mm-hmm. like the the like the pre Christmas period was like the big one. But now we get like stuff filtering through kind of both sides of the year, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I think like yeah, that'll be good. Hopefully, we get some Frostpunk two news. Um, have you seen what the I'm not sure if it's the same studio or if it's the same publisher, but they're creating something called The Alters. And it's uh-huh. by it's it's by the Frostpunk folk, I think. I might have done. It's it's like as far as I'm aware, the premise is it's like multiple clones oh, of yes. one guy. Yes, uh-huh. Like I've, I saw they announced it and then it's like it's been quiet. I've not heard anything since like mm-hmm. a trailer was pushed. Um, but that looks quite fun. Um, I'm trying to think what other stuff will actually be in the the PC showcase. It'd be nah. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of the top of the head what's going to be there unless there's like mm-hmm. m- more armored core stuff. Uh, if they, like the FromSoft side of things, 
Um, but yeah, nah, I, I, I'm I, I'm glad that like it's a kind of shame that E3 doesn't exist anymore because I quite used to like the whole E3 thing, and I think E3 was fun. I when, enjoyed watching everything coming yeah. out and just like having stuff I, to look forward to. I I miss the fucking clown show on stage. You know when like. You know the like the gamer like the gamer uniform of like the gaming tee and then the suit jacket came on and then there yes. would be like really poor attempts at in jokes with the audience and all this sort of crap. I used to like live for that, and I'm like I I suppose when I was younger I really wanted to like go to E3 just like once. It would have been amazing, and now we get quite a lot of like these a uh, virtual kind of things. You know, like mm-hmm. every, everyone's got their own showcase you know all that kind of stuff so yeah I'm, I'm hoping that we get to see some more stuff but we'll uh we'll have to wait and see i'll i will i will try and get the pc gaming showcase up on my on my side um just so we can maybe see some stuff uh but yeah literally if, if they announce frostpunk we're doing we're switching <laughs> we're talking Bye. <laughs> um yeah so oh fuck sorry no mute that um yeah so i'm trying to think what a yeah sorry other news that happened this year yes i will take a drink thank you that's twitch chat twitch chat telling us both to uh, hydrate take into hydrate um yeah so one of the things that happened this week uh which joy i think I, i told you about this and your immediate reaction was what but like Activision and Call of Duty and Pride. Oh my God. <laughs> and like, so a, a content creator, a guy called, I think Nick Merckx is his name, has like this deal with like the Call of Duty folk who do Warzone and all that kind of shit. And he decided to put out some rubbish about um shit. Like, you know, it was almost like a protect the children. He saw that there was people who were protesting pride at school and he put out a tweet saying like oh leave the kids alone that kind of thing so activision um decided to pull his operator skin which i'm guessing he's worked with activision to offer a paid cosmetic in the game and he'll receive some of the revenue or so i I don't quite know how it works but it was like yeah his operator skin has been removed and um and it's basic like what what that's done is just showcase the absolute worst of like there's there's the gaming community like us who really like our indies and like triple a's and like anything that isn't like you know we play games other than call of duty but there is a mm-hmm. whole bunch of people who have never fucking set foot outside that bubble and like they only play call of duty and maybe fifa right and that is their two games and that is all they do and it's just been a giant clusterfuck ever since. Um, well, I appreciate it because I went and looked it up after you told me about it. Was Activision actively going, no, we are celebrating Pride with our LGBT co-workers and yeah. fans. Yeah. That is their stance. And yeah. that is pretty bold for the, you know, for you know, Activision has a, lot, a kind of shitty history with mm-hmm. some things, but that's a pretty bold thing when you have other big conglomerates and corporations pulling all their pride stuff in retaliation to push back. Yeah, it was good them, I'm, not, I'm not saying I stand Activision, but I do appreciate the fact that they did not back down. Yeah, and I hope they don't, because what, what it seems to have kind of triggered is 
so this guy's friends who are all also Call of Duty creators have are now requesting that their operator skins get removed from uh, from the game as well. Um, I kind of I kind of hope Activision goes. No, you have to be a bigot publicly in order for us to to do it. Um, and anyway, it's it's, it's, it's it's turned out that the um, the guys like a proper like DeSantis supporter, and you know people are like pulling out his tweets, and of course he's got opinions about Black Lives Matter and and all this kind of stuff that like really charming have... individual, really. yeah, Just someone like... <laughs> a swell guy who you would absolutely never invite to your house. <laughs> yeah. It's um, like... You know, if any, like, you know, you could have just stayed quiet. <laughs> you know, you, you could have literally just kept your mouth shut, shut and you, would, you could have enjoyed your Call of Duty revenue or whatever the fuck you get. Yeah. But now everyone knows you're a cunt. It's, it's funny because, like, I saw, I saw people going, today I cancelled my sponsorship with Call of Duty and it costs me, four, like, you know, it's, it's worth $4,500 uh, to, to me. I am, and I and I've cancelled it. And someone pulled up their like, like one of their tweets from like a couple of weeks ago that was like, "Oh, I've just I've lost I've lost my job and my kids are getting taken away and stuff." And they were like, "Sounds like you need that four point five k." Getting dragged for filth. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's been like I suppose that's been a kind of like wee thing that's happened in the creator world. But I think that's. Like, there's obviously been this big conversation about Twitch as well uh, that's been kind of going on. Yeah. And I I err on the side of Twitch purely on account of all of the other platforms are terrible. Like, Kick in particular, which everyone is like, oh, I'm leaving Twitch to go to Kick. Like, Kick is literally funded by, like, crypto casinos. And they yeah. have basically they're waving the flag at like being a shelter for all the people who've been like permabanned on Twitch. So like why, why on earth would I want to go there? And it's like, they're going to pull all of their community, which are no doubt if they're happy to continue watching them after being, you know, bigots here. Like why the hell would I want to expose any of like the folk in our Twitch chat to that anyway. To me it's you know, Twitch is obviously owned by Amazon. To me it is, well why do you keep using Kindle to publish your work if they're evil? And it's because I don't have any alternatives that are you know, I have alternatives but people don't fucking use them. Yeah. And the other alternatives are funded by like crystal fascists who are like, we want pure fiction and they don't want my (laughs) LGBT stuff. It's just like that's... Amazon, you know, there's a known his name is Cecil there's a known bigot on or is it Cecil? No, it's Carlos, sorry apologies to anyone named Cecil, it was Carlos <laughs> who is a um, a censor at Amazon, at KDP Publishing don't publish your stuff on the weekends or don't try to because he knocks everything back because he's a bastard so uh, <laughs> just do it from Monday through Friday and you're usually fine but that's like a known issue and you can normally Jesus. get around it by just resubmitting it's just right. one fucker that has like control of the sensor buttons for the the US Kindle over the weekend. Dude. So, um, but that's like that's what it is. Like everyone within the community is like, yeah, we use Amazon because like there's not really like a viable option. Yeah. Like I I have hoped that Kobo Plus now that it's gone global will actually be a decent rival to Kindle subscriptions. I fully hope that will take off and put a fire under Amazon, but it requires people to move away from it in yeah. the same way it would require your audience to move from Twitch. 
Yeah. And the thing is, you don't want them to move necessarily because they're going to the place that's been like, a, oh, we take all the people that have been banned. Yeah. Great. It's like, I, like <laughs> you know, why, why would I want to take all, all these good people over to, like, the hell platform? Uh, just to... Nah, it doesn't. Since I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I know that some folk have, like, said, oh, I'll, you know, some people heard saying they'll go to YouTube or whatever, but... Um, YouTube's not, just as bad. I've not heard anything good about YouTube. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I have a lot of fr- I have a couple of friends that do streaming on YouTube, and yeah. that you know they're constantly getting demonetized because they swear, yeah, or because they're talking about LGBT content, or they're talking about sex, just sex education, not even like sexual content. Just like these are your rights, these are your like you know stuff like that, and they just get demonetized. It's like, well, what's the point of that? Yeah, um, if that's where you're trying to get income from. Yeah, I mean like, another one. Like I know, I know quite a few people who are Twitch ambassadors, and they have quite good relations with Twitch. And they're like, basically, after all of this stuff has happened, uh, they're saying that like talks with Twitch are going quite well. Like they've kind of there was a bit of a wake up call. So now, like Twitch ambassadors are really getting involved. Is like what's best for the kind of platform, um, which is nice and what like all you can really hope for and expect. Um, but yeah, that's what's been going on in like kind of streamer or creator territory. Has there been anything new in the book drama world that I want to know? Drama, but my friend's new book, uh, the pre-order did just drop on Friday, and awesome. it's Lore of the Lore of the Wilds by Annalise Brina. Um, and I had it all over my my Tumblr on Friday. I'll reblog it later. But yeah, her stuff's coming out. Um, finally, she tried for two years to sell this story, two years to sell to Trad Pub, and it was always. There's not really a market for it, where you know. Meanwhile, trad pub is churning out countless fairy cottage core romances with white women. But of course, my friend Anna's book is all about black empowerment and finding your power through knowledge and like finding your own people. And it, mm. you know, no, there's just no market for it. So Anna's yeah, finally sure. gone indie pub with the rest of us, and yeah, she's coming out um, September fifth. It's a really, I, I was the proofreader. Full disclosure, I was the proofreader. I was so enthralled by it, I continued to work on it whilst I was in hospital <laughs> <laughs> because I was enjoying it that much. Awesome. I was in for, I was in for um, not nice reasons and I was in a lot of pain, but I kept reading because I was enjoying it so much. So um, it's a really good book. I hope it gets the success it deserves that. Trad Pub did not want to give it. So that's a kind of common theme. There yeah. was some follow-up drama from that, that, um, Pollyanna Brown that we were yeah, talking about. Yeah, you said. She's suing people. <laughs> oh dear. Or she's she's claiming to sue people. Uh, Tristan actually did um, a rundown of why she's using even more scammer type, like kind of grifter language. Like her whole thing is like, if these people come for me, they can come for you. And it's like, yeah. why would they come for you? They're not. You're not breaking the law. You are. Like, yeah. Funny that. Yeah, but she's just, she's like, anyone talking about me is going to get a cease and desist from my lawyer. And I'm like, yeah, and we can pretty much ignore that because we're not saying anything untrue. We're saying the yeah. truth. We're saying everything that can be documented back to your channel. You hiding the videos doesn't mean we never saw them and we didn't screen grab them. So if we do get a DMC, I plan, if we get a proper like <laughs> um, takedown, we will have to take it down probably. But then we can also just re-upload it with context of, this is, you know, but I also covered our asses on that I'll, I'll, I'll put a title screen that's just like, <laughs> this is our opinions. 
This is our opinion, this is all alleged, even though we have a paper trail that goes back to 2015. Um, but yeah, she's still all over the place, and she's you know she's gotten more traction for being a grifter than she has for any of her author stuff. But she's yeah. fully framing herself as, if these people can come for me, they can come for you. And it's like, they're not going to come yeah. after someone just, just selling their, their, their indie romance novel unless they're actively having a scam like you are. Like, fucking Neil Gaiman doesn't charge $3,000 a month for his courses. It's $23 a month for his courses through Masterclass. Yeah. What makes you think you have the right to charge, a, like, a thousand, three thousand dollars $3,000? Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've, I was saying that we both had the PC gaming show up beside us. Yes. I, I have the live chat. And at the moment, everyone in the live chat is just inserting the word golem into like, <laughs> in, into like, like life I'm is scared. Life is golem true colors. Golem world rise of golem two. Golem three wild hunt. Like golem in the blind forest. I, I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's the meme for this. Uh, oh, I've just seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that golem game looks fucking cursed. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry if anyone's excited, but it looks cursed. It's it's out and it's terrible. It's is it's got it's been voted like worst game of the year, which is which is actually really <laughs> sad because like, I mean, poor golem. To, to, to be honest, there's actually a, there's a, there's a wee bit to discuss here as well. One, I do not understand the thought process that went into. Oh, we're gonna make a Lord of the Rings game. What character does everyone want to play? Gollum. Gol yeah, what the fuck? Um but yeah, there's Well it's it's like all the kind of the Disney remakes where everything's being told about the you know, the kind of girl bossing all the villains. <laughs> and it's like you've literally there there are fresh ideas you could be using and yet you yeah. are scraping the barrel. You do not have to justify your villains. Some people can just be villains. I, I would a hundred percent have a Gollum girl boss game. I would I would take that over what we got. Um, yeah. <laughs> why Gollum pick anyone else? Exactly. There's no nobody is attracted to playing as Gollum. Um, and like, see if they'd made it a total gritty game where it's like you're Gollum, you're escaping from Baratheon, you're like you have to fucking kill like orcs with your bare hands and you know like stealth your way in like. You know, I would understand that, but this is like Gollum doing chores in prison. Gollum I'm not, being I'm not joking. The, yeah, Gollum breeding. Gollum breeding pit. No. <laughs> like get. what fucking Omega Verse fanfic <laughs> is it based on? Seriously. Gollum gets milked in in HD. Oh no! no. In, in HD 4K, it's horrendous. My my poor Gollum. Did, uh, we just dropped twenty viewers when you said that. <laughs> People just were like, "Nope." <laughs> I've, I've had enough. Uh, right, so I suppose we better talk a wee bit about love, death, and robots. Um, yeah, we can we can we can have an emotional and physical cleanse of all that, and we'll talk. Ali cleanser. Love, death, and robots. So. Uh, for anyone in chat who doesn't know, Love, Death, Robots is like a series, it's on Netflix, and it is a bunch of shorts. It's basically like short animated films that all touch on these things. Some people compare it to a Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's as depressing as Black Mirror. 
Um, yeah. There are there are some like I'd say it leans a lot more sci-fi, but more of like far future sci-fi as opposed to this kind of like dystopian near future sci-fi that I think Black Mirror kind of hits. It still leans into some of the tropes from Black Mirror. It's still yeah. very dystopian in places, but there's also a sense of wonder in it that is lacking in Black Mirror. There's still a sense of very much, you know, the humans build robots. That is a good, you know, it's yeah. like the kind of like, you know, the, the idea that we build robots and we send them out into space with names like Opportunity and Spirit, and you know, stuff like yeah. that. It's still very much the core of humanity is good. It's just sometimes bad things can happen and things yeah. are fucked up like i was um before this i was watching the um you know the the, the episode about the farmers on a alien planet yes. and they have all these, these giant mecha things to go fight these in- insects to try and salvage their community as they're on this alien planet trying to harvest stuff and it was very much kind of like pacific pacific rim meets farm simulator <laughs> it was very yeah. weird and I could see Black Mirror doing that as totally humanity's been defeated by these insects and we're just like barely surviving. But the yeah. end of, you know, the, the difference between that and, you know, um, Death, Love and Robots is it ends almost hopeful even when there's mm. tragedy because there's still the sun comes up and yeah. there's still people that survive and they get to continue yeah. to find a way to live. And it's not like, you know, completely... It's not grim dark. It's not like fatalistic in the way that Black Mirror is. Yeah. Because um, Black Mirror is very much like here is the, all the worst pieces of humanity yeah. portrayed. Even if they did predict David Cameron fucking a pig, um, yes. I you know it's they say it as like oh well it's satire and it's parody and everything this but it's all the worst parts of us. And I can understand yeah. why some people don't like it. I find Black Mirror to be quite depressing. I don't find Death, Love and Robots to be depressing because it does have that kind of, um, even when it's dealing with very nitty gritty topics, yeah. it's still visually beautiful. It's still visually interesting. There's still a sense of whimsy. Yeah, um, I, about think, some of it. I, I think one of my favourite things about Love, Death and Robots is like, the different animated st- animation styles between the shorts as well. Yes. I think that adds a lot to it, whereas, like, I think all Black Mirror is just real life, right? Is, yeah. Like, whereas this, you get to kind of play around, and the animation, like, some of the animation is stunning. Like, it's really, really, like, impressive. Yeah, and um, it'll sometimes switch in scenes. Yeah. So there's one really interesting episode called The Witness. Yes. If anyone's going to watch it, it does contain sexual themes of you know very graphic kind of like um murder and rape basically it does it does have warnings on the individual episodes yeah but you switch between an almost like cyberpunkish animated style versus stop motion versus live yeah, action and, and there's, it a bit of, there's a bit of comic yeah. book stuff in there as well because there's like there the, is. Ba- the bang and the pow and stuff it's really cool. And it changes between scenes. Like if, if you know, if the you know, there's a scene where the young there's this young kind of um she's like a, a exotic dancer or yeah. whatever, and she's running away from like a, a a scene that she's witnessed. As she runs, if she bangs into things, it changes the visual style you're seeing. Yeah. So one minute it'll be hyper realistic, and then if she runs into something, it'll turn cartoony, and then if she knocks over a, a crate it'll turn into something else. And it's a really interesting way of showing the transitions instead of just this kind of like jump yeah. scare. 
type yeah, thing. Yeah, and it, it, all, I, it yeah. all happens in quite quick succession as well. So she's like, she's running down a corridor and she's tripping over one thing and then she hits the wall on the other thing and it's like she does, it's quite, um, it, it's quite fast how it changes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I suppose we could actually start with talking about The Witness because The Witness is quite a good one. Um, like it kind of features, yeah, features this young woman who looks out of her window and basically sees someone getting murdered in the apartment's opposite and the guy then looks at the window and sees that she's witnessed this happening and then this kind of begins this this mad dash through the city and you see all of the kind of it's quite it's quite a surreal city it's like you know massive tenement kind of flats and neon advertising and all this kind of stuff what cyberpunk wanted to be yeah. <laughs> it's what this, yeah. you know it's very kind of like harry rise very kind of futuristic um kind of the oh what's it called blade runner blade runner yeah yeah um yeah and, and the the stars you know it's it's really interesting because i thought she was a robot at first because when mm. you look over she sees it the person that he's fighting with looks like her yeah and then she looks over and sees that he's killed someone she doesn't see it someone that looks like her so i'm going oh she must be a robot she must be some sort of like thing but that's not what it is yeah um because she like she goes through this chase and she ends up at the club that she works at um which is this very exotic dancer uh tits out bdsm BDSM, everyone's in like leather and a the the guy who's chasing her gets in and you know people are kind of grabbing him and like try to like hold him down on this chair and he's trying to like resist ejaculating uh, everywhere and then she escapes from that and this kind of thing proceeds she ends up going to whoever runs the club who's like asleep and she ends up getting his gun to try and defend herself and this like massive chase just continues the guy's shouting at her like, oh, wait, don't, what's, let's talk, let's talk. I just want to talk, I just want to talk. And you're like, yeah, yeah, of course you do. So you can <laughs> kill someone else that looks just like her. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of ends in an apartment. She she flees into an apartment building. She opens up a, like a door to get into a specific apartment. And then like he bursts in and a fight ensues. And she ends up killing him in the struggle. And she then looks out the window and sees that someone who looks like him it has just witnessed her killing him. And the uh, chase starts again. And the chase starts again. Um, it's, it's almost like murder, Groundhog murder, like Groundhog Day, like murder-esque, yeah. sort of like weird dystopian kind of like, oh, this is like your worst nightmare. Like you can never actually escape what is happening. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I, quite, I quite liked it as an, like, an episode. And like, again, I think... The kind of beauty of these ones is they are just like microcosms. You like you def you desperately ah oh, wish that idea would be explored more, but like it does put an end to it. The thing is though, all the episodes are about ten, maybe twelve minutes long yeah. max, and it feels like you get an entire movie. It's yeah. such a it's so well done for short media. It is so well done. It is so concise. You get so much information in the first thirty seconds. Yeah. And then it all gets wrapped up neatly within the ten the ten minutes. There's never an episode where you're thinking, Oh, that was only half done. That needed yeah. another episode. There's you know, there's always a you know, very concise 
and it's hard to do that sort of concise storytelling. It is very, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they're able to do it across such a range of mediums is, uh, as a creator, it's mind-boggling. Like, yeah, there's no way I could do that. It's really impressive how each of the stories is, like, so condensed and so, like, you don't think that there's any, like, strained bits. Like, it's, like, distilled into the absolute finest that's going to be in that story. Joy, do you have, like, a top three of season one? I want to see if we can ours, ours compare. So I'm so I really like the first episode the when robots. you're getting in, the robots when you're getting introduced yeah. to everything. I actually think that's pretty funny because you have the robots that have obviously evolved these their own type of personality and they're getting yeah. their information about humanity, which has been wiped out by this point. Yeah. They're getting that from like Wikipedia that's been edited, <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't make any sense. But they're yeah. like. It's just very kind of like how it's almost like how Americans go to tourist destinations and they just right. kind of like are very disrespectful. Like there's one point where they're taking pictures of like, um, you know, irradiated skeletons, like smile girl, you're on camera. And it's just like it's very <laughs> yeah. much like, oh yeah, I could see they're making fun of like a certain type of tourist that goes to like sacred areas that are not meant <laughs> for that. Um, yeah. And I like the fact that the cats are like... The cats are smart. <laughs> the cats are smart. The cats have developed opposable thumbs. They don't need humanity anymore. Yeah. And it's just a very good introduction. Like, that's probably one of my favourites. Um, I think it definitely sets the tone for the... I think it does a really good job at setting the tone for all of the ideas that the shows, like, explore. Like, there mm-hmm. is a bit of sci-fi there. There's a bit of, like, humanity is, like, being killed off. And then you get the silliness with this. Like, it's when the the cat starts speaking during it. They they encounter this cat and like the the scene with the cat encounter. All three robots are staring, like looking at something. They're all on a couch and they're talking about what they're looking at in a way that implies it could be a TV. But then, mm-hmm. but then it's like you just see this cat tail, and it's like, yeah, humans had. Um, electronic devices dedicated to sharing images and videos of this creature and you've got like this cat just like you know just stretching on a on a poofy thing um in in front of them and then you learn that yeah the cats the cats can talk they say that the the moment the cats could learn how to use the tuna like the can opener for the tuna it was it was game over for the humans um and yeah i think like, I, I think it does a good job of kind of introducing the show. Um, it does, it does. Okay, what's your second? If, if we're going, second, like, top three, if we're going top three. Second is probably Soul Sucker, which is the Dracula one. Right, okay. And it's a very Castlevania-esque TV, the TV show, not the game, mm. animation. And it's, you know, they're underneath, they're under the ground and they're hunting and there's an archaeologist and there's, like, a team of mercenaries and... They find Dracula under the earth. Yeah. And it's just a very, you know, no, it's one of those ones where nobody survives. Um, yeah. But it's such a good animation and it's such good storytelling that I just love it. I think it's a really good kind of like little vampire short. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just really well done. Like it's very gory and very graphic. Like it's at one point you see somebody getting sliced in two and you see everything it's, yeah. it's horrific but it does remind me a lot of the castlevania tv show 
um, which if anyone likes that, they probably like the soul sucker. But I just yeah. like the fact that Dracula the whole time speaking in Romanian. And he's yeah. just like, <laughs> you know, and he gets, he gets blown up with C4 and he survives. Yeah. Um, and then, I, then a, cat, a cat scares him off. The cat scares yeah. him off because in, in mythology, uh, vampires don't like cats because yeah. they are whatever, like satanic or something. So they, don't, they can't feed on them. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really fun... Um, yeah, it's just fun. It's just yeah. fun. It's silly. It's fun. It's gory. It's very action packed and it's quick. But you get, yeah. you feel like you get a whole story from it. So that's my second I, one. I like how defined the characters are in that, like, that yeah, because you've got you've got the researcher who's a little bit plebby and you know he he doesn't quite like you know he's just focused on his research. You've got this kind of mercenary captain who's the man of the hour, um, and then you've got his kind of two fellow mercenaries that are just like cheeky and you know they like they've got a quip about absolutely everything and then they realize that oh shit there's actually a vampire um there's is an irish no, the woman. vampires are real yeah is it an irish woman or is it is is one the the woman is either kind of like london working class or irish i feel well, like the, i should the- know the distinction it, it's kind of I think it's more Londony and their name is Gary, so I don't know if they're Oh right, okay. I don't know if they're a woman, but their name is Gary and they're very much uh, pro C four and guns. It's very, yeah. very fun. Um but it's it's just uh, everyone's characters are so well developed. Yeah. It is astounding to me as a writer that you can develop something so easily within ten minutes yeah. for like seven different characters. Like even the one character that gets you know murdered, murdered. immediately, <laughs> yeah. you know about you know his backstory already before he's gone. Like you yeah. have a reason to be like, oh shit, like he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> right. So your third one. Can I just say I thought that me and Joy would have the same favourites. She has <laughs> proven so far that uh, that's not the case. Um, um, What's, do you third have... favorite. Yeah, my third favorite is probably the. See, it's a toss up between two of them. It's a toss up between the spaceship that gets falls into like the spider web. Yeah, or or it's the one with the ant. You know, the 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 farmers defending their their homesteads from the insects. Okay, you go the farmer oh. one, and I'll take the beyond the killer okay. rift because that's Cause my the, yeah the the farmer one is. You know, it's these kind of like countryish. You know, they're talking about stuff like getting ready, and you see this farmer going out. You think it's a tractor at first. Turns out it's a giant mecha machine, and yeah. he's trying to save his cattle from like these insectoid aliens. And they're all over the place. He's like, "Oh, this must be a raid. It must be terrible." And he's unable to save his cattle. So then he, he starts telling his friends, "Like, hey, there must be something happening. Get your get your mecha suits on. Let's go." Yeah. And it's basically the mother of all invasions happening. And they're kind of squaring up to just die, and they're you know they're they're trying to give their people time, like they're trying to get people from all over the community to give them time to get into the bunker. Yeah, and you fully think it's like a grand last stand, and it it's such a well orchestrated kind of like the way it's set up. You know, someone's going to go down. And yeah. you think it's going to be either the 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 guy that's leading it, Joel, who's who's going to be leading it who is like 
very rough and very kind of like no nonsense or you think it's going to be the old grandma character who's just like oh well at least i'm gonna die but it's not it's the (laughs) one guy who's like no no i built these machines for precision and like i you know it's a work of art it's like the best machine ever he sacrifices himself he blows up his mecha to give them time to get away because he's been compromised yeah and you think that everyone's dead you think it's very like there's no hope and you have the wives back at like the homesteads using their computers to try and like give them aerial support and to yeah. drop them ammo. ammo and, like, <laughs> it's very, just very high tech. Like you can see the cornfields out the window, but they've got all these like, you know, radars and like all sorts. Of, just a really like, good like if, automatic if I was guns about, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of what I think what being inside like Mars survival game would be like. Right. Um, <laughs> and they get away. And it, but you think that the main character's dead, but he's fortunately not. Spoilers. But we could end on a kind of like, oh, like it's hopeless. All these, you know, these aliens are going to keep coming, and they have a massive fight with this huge, like, the, like the, kind of like the the mother one, I guess. Yeah. And there's this wonderful moment where the wife thinks she kills her husband because she launched a missile. Yeah. And you can see the look on her face where she's like, oh, I saved the entire colony. But I think I just killed my husband because he was holding it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's you genuinely feel devastated for her because it's for being like an animated face. It's like when you know when like the Pixar things when the, the, like that kind of like when the, the Pixar things start crying. You're like, why am I crying? It's like pixels. <laughs> yeah. Why am I upset? It has that level of depth to it. And then you find out that he survived. He's very very broken. He's very beat up, but he does survive. And they go back to the homestead and it's like, oh, well, we survived. And instead of being very grimdark and like, oh, the fight is relentless, they're just like, yeah, I think we can keep this community going. Yeah, this is, I think, we'll manage. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, that's like a much more hopeful way of looking at that sort of existence. I really think it's making a commentary on the horrors keep coming and they don't stop coming, but we also survive. Yeah, and it's that kind of like yeah, we can withstand this, you know, if we work together. Which I really like about that. There's no like one hero in that. It's everyone working together. Yeah. Um. So no, that's, I, that's probably my, my top three. Yeah, I I really like that one on how it like kind of did the monsters. So the the monsters are these kind of classic pincer. The the they want they want after the cattle basically, and they break through a barrier and they come and attack the cattle. And I think, what like the the ending of that when the camera starts to zoom out is probably where I think it's like, I don't know. It just kind of brought it all together. You know, this was a a microcosm story of like sacrifice yeah. for the community. Then it zooms out, and what you discover is that like on this planet, um, there's basically these giant almost like shields around these communities, these green farming communities. And you see, like, all of the monsters, like, scaling this, like, shield dome on the planet. And then you see that, the, like, as you, as the planet kind of comes into view, you're going out into space. Like, you see that there's multiple shields all over the planet. And I quite like that. Sorry, one sec. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely up there with one of the best. I'm, mm-hmm. like... What are your three? What are your three? See, my three is really difficult because, like, I'm currently looking at the whole list and I'm like, oh, I like that shit. I like that one. Fuck, also. I like them all. There's not one I dislike. That's the problem. There's there's one. There's one I dislike. 
and it was the the alternate histories Hitler one. I just didn't. Think oh was, yeah, I that's just, not that fun. I was like, I just didn't think it was that. So it was like, a want to see Hitler die in a variety of comically fantastic ways, and it was just like, I don't know. I just felt like it was like a kind of half-assed one. Like the animation in it's like great or whatever, but like the actual core idea was just meh. Um. So I'd say my my number one favourite, the one that like stuck in me because I think it absolutely nailed the kind of sci-fi space horror was the Beyond the Aquila Rift one, which is yeah. like basically this crew of three are carrying cargo in a spaceship and they plug in um, some coordinates and then go into cryosleep and the the ship you know blasts off into into light space and it looks like something went wrong with the with the ship's navigation system or the coordination was uh, coordinates were wrong but they wake up and um well the guy the guy wakes up first and he's a bit like out of it um, and he wakes up the person next to him who immediately kind of like freaks out and then someone else, like someone enters the ship and it's this woman greta who he who he knows um he had a relationship with her like four years ago on like a space station somewhere on another job and he you know he gets to talking with her and they try waking up his uh, crewmate again uh, who wakes up and has a bit of a kind of freak out saying that you know the coordinates couldn't have been wrong um, Greta kind of explains that they are like they've overshot the thing and they're like they're out in the far reaches of the system as in if they were to go back now and go back into cryo the earth that they left behind is like 400 years yeah old. so it's like you know that that's it like over basically you know if even if you went back it would be 400 years to get back and then the society you left completely different all the people who who are on it so he kind of spends the night with Greta and they have some pretty intense animated sex, Joy. Um, you do. I, I was like, okay, did, did it need to go to that extent? But they definitely did. Um, it adds to the horror, though, when you know it, what it is later. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. Um, so, yeah, he ends up... Like, you know... He Sorry, Frostpunk <laughs> 2 just... is The trailer's up. Sorry. Oh shit! Oh, amazing. Um, sorry, I <laughs> can't just see it in the corner of my eye. <laughs> it's like the moment you saw Steam. It's like Frostpunk two. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> um. Right. We'll finish the Aquila Rift and then we'll then we'll freak out. Um. But the like yeah. So the, he ends up spending the night. Wakes up next turn. They try and uh, get the crewmate back. Crewmate sees Greta again and absolutely freaks out, saying, that's not Greta, I've never met her before. Straight up panic, and the crew member cuts Greta's neck with, like, a like a, a blade. And, you know, Greta starts to bleed, and then uh, later on, when it's just the, the sort of main man and Greta again, they see, he sees that the, the neck's completely healed. And he's a wee bit like, hmm, uh, Frostpunk 2024, Joy. I know. Oh, it hurts so much. Um, but then what 
what ends up happening is he he basically demands he's like what's going on here tell me because he thinks he's on a station being repaired and Greta goes look I really really care for you I don't want to do that I don't think you're ready but I'll show you and basically the whole facade like disappears the guy who we've been seeing like ages considerably and becomes like really malnourished like skeletal almost um he sees that his crewmates are both pretty much dead and he looks around and he's in the ship that's been completely destroyed we then get a zoom out and the ship is entangled in like a space web it's like uh like proper like spider burrow in space like a funnel web like a funnel web and he looks around and he sees the silhouette of this rather um rather nice looking i would say female body she Um, looks very voluptuous she's got like a perfect hourglass figure and curves in all the right places um and then a she let's just say she steps out into the light and it is this horrifying like alien spider as in like everyone's jaw drops when she steps into view it is like all kinds of fucked up and vile like you know exactly what's happened because you've seen it in the kind of human form um seen them fucking you've seen them fucking very graphically and you know that the real thing he's been fucking is that yeah. And if you're if you're into spiders, which I know some of Natalie's people are no, in here, that's no, fine. That's no, fine. Not no, for me. no, 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 no. Jail for a million years. Um, yeah. So it, it basically ends with like he basically goes back into his false reality. Like he he screams in horror and like it cuts to black and then it opens and like I think what the spider does is like reset his like reset his memory of it somehow yeah because i noticed that when he wakes back up again both of his crew members are dead in the previous kind of um dream like he he could see both crewmates in their cryo chambers but now both Mm -hmm. cryo chambers are like blocked off as if they're dead so i think she's just like completely wiped his memory on that and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it nails the space horror. The whole, like, it zooms out from the screen and, like, you see that the the space station where the ship is getting repaired, like, it kind of does that glitch effect where it swaps yeah. between the funnel web that he's actually trapped in and the space station that his mind thinks he's in. And to me, it just it absolutely nails the, like, the kind of and the thing is, the spider isn't even malevolent. The spider is doing this so that, well, maybe it is. But she, the spider keeps saying, "I love people. I love the people that get stuck here. I love the people that get trapped." Yeah. So it's like some sort of like psychic love vampire spider in space. Yeah. I, 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 I actually chose to read it as not malevolent because I think it makes it creepier. Like the the spaceship just ends up tangled in this web and the spider's like, okay, fuck it. Um, literally. Um, but like I was saying, like, I don't think the spider deliberately like tried to catch the ship or anything. 
I think it's just the ships are just flying into its web. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's all kinds of like fucked. It's 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 really like that one's probably stuck with me the longest out of all of them, just because like that's that's like peak sci-fi existential kind of horror, because like he's trapped there, like light years out, no chance of getting rescued, and that's that's the horror that awaits us in space. Um. So my second one. Hmm. Second favorite. This is this is really tough because I've actually got it now. It is hard. Like, I've got I've got like six that I would put in my top six. Um, I really liked Sunny's Edge. Um, so this one. Oh starts, yeah. Yeah, this one starts off with the premise where, um. There's like it's kind of like an apocalyptic world. Who would have thought? Uh, and in it, there's like a society of like these underground fights that are held. Uh, people are able to like psychically control these giant monsters, and they they fight in pits, like kind of gladiator arena, right? So uh, yeah. there's a there's like a. It's a very team. the animation's very dishonored. Yes, like the style is absolutely. very much like the video game Dishonored. I per- loved it for that. Per- particularly the fact that like, you know, see the see the British guy that's in it, the guy who's the yeah. aristocrat. He a hundred percent is one of like the brothers that you kill in Dishonored. The Pendletons, like, yeah, yeah, like a hundred percent. Classic British villain. <laughs> <laughs> but is like these three fighters turn up to this kind of gladiator pit, and this British guy and his little. Like I, I I don't know quite what the relationship is, but she's this like she seems She's implied to be like a sugar baby or like yeah. a kept woman type thing. Yeah, like quite quiet, quite just, you know, uh kept in, but he basically asks this trio of people, the the one woman who uh and I suppose like just kind of content warning here, there's a bit of uh, sexual assault discussion, but the woman who controls the monster um has undergone uh, like she's viciously the, attacked she was viciously attacked by this group who like cut her afterwards and like she's got these very distinct like cuts and visual marks all over her all over her face and all over her kind of body and this evil corrupt british guy asks her to throw the fight and he'll pay her you know it was like half a million or something like that mm-hmm. and she goes absolutely fucking not and her two friends basically end up arguing with the the british guy um saying you know like this is what happened to her when she fights she's fighting like that you know never ask her to throw a fight that kind of stuff um and the fight happens her her monster like the the trio's monster is this like quite i kind of want to say like a cross between this, like kind of lizard and like a really agile wolf, but it she also, calls it the, the carnivore, which I like. Yeah, the carnivore, and it's like it's got this big kind of like, um, sp- like spear on its head, and it also has tentacles, um, which is like pretty cool. Like these kind of like pincers that come out and can like stab the enemies, and her opponent is this like basically giant gorilla bear type monster very very basic um and they 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 fight 
and that's that's pretty much like the core of the episodes this fight happening um i would say that the fight is very reminiscent of the woman's sexual assault um because you can see bits where the bear kind of puts her up against like a wall and like traps her and then she fights out um you know there's a bit right near the end where she's kind of like pinned down and she uses like the head of her monster as this spear to just go right fucking through um mm-hmm. uh, you know right fucking through the the enemy's head and that that fight wraps up and she wins and what happens at the end is they're celebrating their victory the woman who uh, controls the monster kind of notices the the kind of kept woman um like just kind of eavesdropping a little bit uh, and she she follows her out and then this weird like seduction scene happens where mm-hmm. the woman gets like all all naked and it's like oh I'm really attracted to your lifestyle and all this kind of thing and just when they kiss the woman the kept the kept woman I'm kidding, I'm going to refer to her as the kept woman I don't know how else to describe her um kills the woman who controls the kills the fighter kills the fighter kills the fighter and like in this really fucking gory it's like a spear and it goes up through her like up through her bottom of her jaw like straight through her head absolutely um kills her and then the british guy steps into focus and it's like oh you couldn't throw the fight yada yada and the <laughs> the kept woman basically stands on the fighter's face, like just basically cr- like crunches it down, crushes and her, crushes her, and you can see like her fucking eyes pop out and all this sort of stuff. But then you notice that her uh, is her, you know, she's just microprocessors. She's like a robot basically, and you then hear the fighter's voice on like the radios and stuff like that, and she just narrates that like you see my age is like, you know, it's got nothing to do with this body. You know, when I, when I fight, I'm fighting for my life. And that's when you discover that the fighter is actually in the body of the monster. And yeah. She, Cause she, when she was, when she was injured, she got transferred into it, didn't she? Yeah. And she, uh, she kills both of them. Uh, one of which is really gro- like gory. One of the pincers goes right through the face of the woman who just killed her. And then you see the tentacles kind of wrap around the British guy and then it kind of cuts to black. But I quite like that one. That one's good. It's very good. It's a very good... um, I just love it because it looks like Dishonored. But it's such very good storytelling because I was not expecting her to be the monster. I was expecting another, like, body to step out. Yeah. And she's actually piloting, like, other mechas of herself. But no, she's in in the monster, which I thought was really good. She's in the monster. And, like, that's her age. So, like, the... They kind of establish at the start of the episode that's like she's the only woman that psychically controls. Like she's yeah. the only she's the only like female fighter, is how it's kind of portrayed. Sunny, that's it. Um and Sunny, uh, like the whole thing is it's Sunny's edge. Her edge is that she's fighting for her life whenever she does it. So the, like the fear of dying gives her an edge over her opponents, which I think is quite, mm-hmm. quite good. So I'd say that's my third favourite. Joy, I can't narrow it down. You're going to have to help me. Right. Okay, so uh, the one set in Asia, Good Hunting. 
Oh yes. That's that's up there. The other ones I would say are Lucky Thirteen, Zima Blue, and Secret War. And I don't I don't know I don't know which of those are the best. We'll talk about all of them if we want, but uh, I think I, probably for me good hunting. Yeah. Probably for, for me good hunting. I it's got steampunk in it, it's got yeah. all sorts of like kind of that kind of um ja- it's almost like the Japanese horror where you have the spirits in it. Yeah. Um it's it's got a lot going on for it that I really like. I really like good hunting. Right, okay. In that case, well we'll do we'll do good hunting because it's a good one to talk about. But it's a basically what happens is kind of pre pre pre-industrial revolution pre-industrial revolution pre the the british empire fucking up hong kong uh there's like a a son and a father who's hunting like this chinese spirit called the huli jing um the huli jing is like a a beautiful woman who is also a fox ladies a kind of sexy fox yeah um and like it's funny because you kind of see both sides of that like you've got like the the father and son have been like paid to get the bounty on this woman who's apparently bewitched men and kills them in the village and then you hear from like the the pup of the huli jing like the the kind of younger one you hear that like this guy basically just pestered the ever-loving fuck out of this beautiful spirit and the beautiful spirit had enough and uh, decided to like, decided to curse it. Um which is fair. So you've got this kind of thing where the 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 mother Huli Jing ends up dying when the father kind of beheads her in this kind of horrendous sequence. And the son of the of the guy who kills her, um like basically hides the pup or like doesn't mention to his dad that there's another Huli Jing out there. Um and like you fast forward a couple of years, the dad's dead, um and the the British have arrived and made everything a million times fucking worse. Um brought the railway with them. But the 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 son and the the daughter of the spirit have kind of become pals. Um, and you know he brings her food and stuff like that uh, and kind of like looks after her a wee bit and but he ends up leaving to go to Hong Kong because he's got this mind that like he can he can work on trains really well and he does a lot of stuff on the the, the trains there and there's a bit in it where it like the indus- the arrival of the British and the industrial revolution destroys the sp- like the magic and the spirits mm-hmm. uh, because she can no longer transform into the... Yeah, the Hulijin can no longer transform. And she blames it on the Iron Roads, which is the railway lines. Right. And then he ends up up spotting her in Hong Kong, where she kind of makes a passive comment about how she, she now does exactly what he said she did all those years ago. She bewitches men for money. She's working as a kind of courtesan. And... A, you know, he kind of protects her from all these kind of lecherous British guys that have her like cornered. Um, 
And then it like it kind of goes a completely different direction, but it's like, yeah, he's working on the railways and he's like making the trains run. But then all these like automaton stuff comes out. Um, it goes full steampunk. It goes full steampunk, and he becomes this kind of like master of like master engineer, where like he he's able to create like a, a rabbit that's like an automaton, and he like he lights a match underneath it and it bounces around like a bunny and and stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what else then happens, Joy. Uh, it just shows you things getting more and more technologically advanced. And then mm. the next time you see the Hui Jing, uh, she shows up at his workshop and she has been turned into a robot. Yeah. And this is where I think it gets really interesting because it's a very good commentary on the way British colonialism just decimated everywhere it went. Yeah. And you find out she's been turned into a robot because the mayor of the town wanted he can only in her words he can only get hard for robots yeah so he wanted the ultimate robot girlfriend so he when he drugs her wine and when she wakes up on the operating table it's kind of almost like a um really graphic operation scene where you see her being turned into this like mechanical woman with just her head left intact it's, it's, it's kind of like, like snuff film esque. It's, it's yeah. really, it's really nasty, because um, she's like basically like she's entirely robotic. Uh, I think she's kind of maintained a little bit of her face, or I, I think her head is still her head. It's yeah. still there, but from the neck down, she's just robotic. Yeah, and she's she you know he can control her and keep her as like a statue if he wants, so that people can look at her beautiful mechanical body. Yeah, and. She can no longer transform at all now. She was already yeah. cut off from it before because the world was too um, industrialised, but now she's just trapped in this mechanical body. So she seeks out her friend and is like, I know that you do these, you know, you build these automatons now. Yep. Um, help me. And I, he's I like, well, to, okay, we'll fix want, it. We'll fix it. I want to hunt again is what she's going for. Because mm-hmm. she's she's killed the mayor at this point. She's like... Yeah, she kills him. She He forced himself on her and she like... She, she like he's he's kind of like obscenely grotesque, and she kind of climbs up him very much like the overinflated caricature of like a evil lecherous guy, and she climbs mm-hmm. like up his stomach and then grabs both sides of his like mouth and just like stretches, uh, and that I think that's how he how he dies. But she yeah she she comes to her pal, um, and he 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 does a bunch of work on her. On, he does. He redoes. He does. He does. He does a robotic so that she can turn into a mechanical fox again, yeah. and she undergoes this full transformation where it's almost like it's where steampunk becomes more gas lamp in this case because mm-hmm. magic comes back into it because she through his ability to make her robotics better she's able to transform back into a fox again. It's just a robotic fox. It's just yeah. an you know an automaton fox, and you know he wishes her good hunting. And the last scene you see from this episode is a young woman being harassed on the streets and the guy turns around and gets eaten by the mechanical <laughs> fox. And yeah. it's like, oh, nice, justice. That's the way it should be, yes. It's, it's really good. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I'd say that's definitely, yeah, definitely one of my favourites. Um, yeah, I would say that's... That's definitely my third favourite, and then the rest all kind of... I've seen it now. Now that we've talked through it, we're going to fit in the rest. Um, for those of you who are still have like arrived and are wondering, we're talking about Love, Death, Robots, which is a series of like short animated 
um, episodes that all touch on, on Netflix. various on Netflix, touches on all different topics. Uh, really, really interesting. Um, I did the the good hunting one. The fact that it's only ten minutes long yeah. destroys my brain. It, we just talked about it for probably a longer. Yeah, fuck. It's, and it's ten minutes long episode. It's just like how is that? It's just so well done. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sick with envy. I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I also quite like the Secret War. I do think this is less like. You don't need to think about this one as much. I just think it's quite an interesting story. And I would like to, like, I like it when sci-fi stuff is set in the past. There's a couple of ones like this that do it really well. I think in, like, in other seasons when it's talking about, like, you know, when there's something, like, horrible or sci-fi in like the medieval times or whatever. But this one's The Secret War. It's set during World War Two, And it's like, this, like, a portion of the Russian military are in, like, Siberia, the depths of Siberia. Mm-hmm. It's snow everywhere. Um, they come across this town where absolutely everyone has been, like, butchered. And it's like, it starts off really slow. They're going across the ice. Like, there's there's ships that are, like, frozen in place. It's obviously super-duper cold. Um and then they go into the houses and they find all these bodies that are just like ripped to shreds. Um, and then they, they kind of they go into the forest to camp and they find the monsters that have basically been like rampaging their way through uh, like the kind of middle of Russia. Kind of uh, looks radioactive. It kind of like when, yeah. when they're talking about, oh, my people say it's cursed. It kind of looks like they're wading into like a radioactive wasteland from previous wars. Yeah. But and we're not there in our history timeline, if that makes sense. Yeah. The, there's a there's a bit in it where it explains that basically after World War One, they wanted to um create like uh like an army that would work for the, the so they like they do this kind of like a cultic ritual. Um, mm-hmm. to, to summon these monsters and they just fucking start killing everybody but they're like they're kind of i don't know how to describe the monsters it's quite weird because they're like they're they're on four legs they're your kind of typical like horror like hunting pack uh, I, I, they're like they're hairless it's kind of like chupacabra maybe it's very kind of um, I don't know. like hairless werewolves. <laughs> like, yeah. It's very kind of like weird, almost bipedalish shapeshifter creatures, which yeah. I, they do kind of look like the shapeshifters in other episodes as well. But you know, it's um, somebody's got a thing for alien esque shapeshifting creatures on that <laughs> the animation. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I, I, yeah. So the, you know, they've they've not got like snouts like werewolves, but like their whole their whole face is like this kind of like jaw that like opens up. It's, it's just creepy, right? Um, and it's basically a kind of like the whole story is just there's not much story to it. There's a couple of distinct characters. They do this fight. You see a lot of people getting killed, um, and then these like the commander and. For, like the rest of the squad stumble upon this nest and mm-hmm. they go right we're going to blow this nest up so he sends in his demolition guys they 
like they escape and then they set off the bomb but the bomb instead of caving in the tunnel it actually destroys the mountain and opens up like all of the tunnels so like all of the creatures that were underground now just have direct access to the surface and the commander kind of does a big stand your ground thing he sends his son on a horse to basically be like this is our last stand we're just gonna hold yeah. them off until you can escape uh but yeah just tell like tell it was like tell the generals to like direct some planes from stalingrad and just tell them to bomb like the whole of siberia <laughs> so. yeah pretty much and the thing is you don't even <laughs> notice his son until he rescues him at one point yeah um, fact, and it's, it's yeah, yeah. In fact, I think he only mentions the son as he sends him away on the horse. And yeah, because he's like, no, father, I want yeah. to stay with you. And his dad's like, no, you're leaving. You're leaving with your guitar. And that yeah. was a really nice moment for me too because you have a scene where a soldier's pretty much, he's been very badly wounded, he's possibly dying, and the, the, the general steps outside and one of the men is like, oh, can you play that gesturing to the guitar? And the son's like, yeah, but I shouldn't. He's like, oh, do it for your friend. Yeah. So he plays music. So they have this little bright moment of like camaraderie in their tent, and then the the general comes back in and takes it away because like obviously music can attract them. But yeah. I think it's a really nice touch that the son who plays the guitar, who does something to make people smile that isn't necessary, is the one that survives. Yeah, and, I really love that. Yeah. yeah, Andy escapes. Andy gets the job done, and the carpet bomb the whole of it. Because like the last scene yeah. is. It's actually music from the kind of balalaika playing while the planes kind of soar overhead, and then you see all the monsters who are like passing around an arm from one of the corpses. Yeah, uh, you you just see them getting like blitzed, basically. Um, so yeah, I, I like I quite like that one. I think it does is it's an interesting animation style because it's like hyper realistic to the point where you also know it's not real. It's uncanny it's, valley stuff. Yeah. Um, it's uh, there's one guy that I swear to God, he looks like Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Two. It is the same yes. model, <laughs> the same face, mm-hmm. but he has a Russian accent. <laughs> right. What's? Uh, do you have another favorite then? Um, I think we've already talked about all my favorite. Oh well, the one inside the the world inside the refrigerator is good. I yeah. think that one's a lot of fun. That's um, yeah. Couple moves into a new apartment and they have like a refrigerator from like the 1900s. It's absolutely ancient, and yeah. they go to open it up to find some ice cubes, and they find a civilization inside. <laughs> the guy pulls out an ice cube and it's got like a woolly mammoth with like ant like spears stuck into it. So then they clear out the refrigerator properly and they find the civilization. And like for every like. 10 minutes is like a century to them so they get to watch this thing go from the neolithic through to like the industrial revolution through to the 1920s through to the 1970s 80s present day into the nuclear age they wipe each other out with a nuclear bomb (laughs) and they you know the the couple shut the door thinking oh my god um they don't want to open it again because they're like oh what if they wipe them out what if there's no one left but when they open it you find that the civilization did survive and they've they've advanced to like this kind of like space age sort of neural network type yeah. thing. And they're watching it with fascination, like, wow, this is the next step for humanity. And it, this giant ball of shining light happens. There's, you know, there's lights going off everywhere, like fireworks. And then it just explodes back into nothing. 
yeah. they're like, wow, what the hell? And they're like, oh, they must have wiped that must be the end of humanity. Like the world started with a big bang, it ends with a big bang. <laughs> cool. So the, the guy unplugs the refrigerator saying, yeah, we'll clean it out tomorrow morning, use it for plant fertilizer or whatever. And then they open it the next morning and it's the the dinosaurs again. Yeah. And it's, it's like the early, implication that yeah. early humans getting eaten by like a T-Rex and stuff. It's, it's basically like just ev- evolution over and over and over again inside yeah. this little refrigerator. And it's such a, it's like, they're like, because at the start, they're like, oh, why would the landlord keep this refrigerator? Well, because <laughs> the, the refrigerator has the entire cosmos on it. Yeah. It's just such a good wee short. It's just very kind of like, um, it satisfies the part of me that loves playing Colony Sims. Like when you yeah. start your own civilizations and you get to watch them advance. So it's they, that sort of thing like, that I like. Because you like when when they're spectating, like you see like towers and stuff getting built at like four times the speed, which is like is you know how like in a city builder you can see things getting like built really really fast. It, it's yeah. exactly it's exactly like that. And um, no, that one's that one's good. I suppose my my other one that we've not mentioned is Zima Blue, the one with the robot and the a. Uh, like the the artist even, the artist, oh yes the, yes yeah so like I was like you're saying robot that doesn't matter what <laughs> <a> time <laughs> this 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 one's super visually distinct compared to the rest it's like a very specific type of artwork mm-hmm. and it's it's told through it's told through the eyes of a journalist that's talking about this artist called Zima who like started off like you know she's almost recounting his his story from like the beginning of his artwork where he was doing portraits and then he started to move to these like giant like landscape photos of like a planet and you know he just keeps on making it grander and grander and at some point when he's making these landscape portraits he introduces a single like square of blue in the center of his like canvas Mm -hmm. and over time that kind of grows and grows to the point where the whole canvas is blue and then he starts like painting asteroids blue and like all this kind of stuff and it's is told in this like he's a he's a sensation he's like a like a is it international interplanet sensation interplanetary sensation yeah, yeah. um but do you know what the style reminds me of it reminds me of batman the animated series it's got that yeah. kind of art deco-ish gothic animation style. Yeah, there's a um, strong bit of art yeah. deco to him. Like, particularly the character Zima, who's like portrayed as this colossal, um, like, he's seen as a, like this colossal, like, guy who's basically augmented a lot of his body to, like, withstand all these environments. Uh, so he's, he's went to, like, cybernetic clinics that are, like, illegal. Mm-hmm. And he's got like his whole skin repa- replaced with like a a dense polymer and all this kind of stuff. So this journalist finally gets like an interview uh, with him and is taken to like show his his latest piece. And it's a it's a swimming pool, and the swimming pool's got all these like blue tiles that's getting kind of marked around it. And the guy Zima basically tells the story of like there was a woman once who was really into robotics. She had like robots do tons of menial tasks around the house. And one one robot that she particularly liked was the one that cleaned her swimming pool. 
and it's like just a little like polisher um and she like slowly like worked and worked on the on the robot the robot like she gave it a kind of like upgraded its intelligence allowed it to process visual data and like you know strategize on how best to clean the pool and she then passes away and it goes through various owners like becoming more advanced like people get it to cook and to clean and do all this kind of stuff um and it basically turns out that the artist zima who like for the whole episode we've been convinced is like a human who's mm-hmm. changed and augmented themselves yeah. zima is actually a robot and the final kind of reveal when he shows off the swimming pool, he jumps into it and then basically disengages all of his kind of high intelligence processors. And he like, he sheds all of his augmentations and becomes the little robot who goes back to polishing. And it's, it's just done in this really cool, nice artistic way. That it's like, there's something quite nice about that. This robot that started in like the Zima Blue is like the shade of blue that the manufacturer's tiles wear Mm -hmm. and that's it Uh, and it's just like how this little robot like processed the world and made art about it it's i don't know i I found it quite and then he goes back to his origins which is nice Hmm. yeah it's a nice episode it is a nice episode last last 20 minutes do you want to talk (laughs) about the adhd stuff sure uh let's find out what i've got now what what other symptoms have we gone for? <laughs> oh no, you were the one that said you wanted to talk about ADHD and content creation. There so was, a, the there was a, yeah. you know what's you know what's really annoying, Joy. I should have fucking written it down, but I had have no idea what I wanted to say on the topic. <laughs> I did not. I did not have a fucking clue. I think I saw a post that you reblogged on Tumblr, and I was like, oh, oh yeah. that would be really cool to talk about because it's like ADHD the different... is a, a doing disorder. Yeah, and so it was like constantly. The, yeah and it's like the kind of dopamine like lack of dopamine and stuff but like mm-hmm. fuck it's yeah because i've been i've been doing <laughs> tell me about that like, joy so uh it's called chasing your dopamine and it's it can, it can often seem as erratic behavior to some people and it's you know people who have dopamine deficiencies will often look for it in other places for some people it can look like oh is twitch frozen nope um there we go it can look dopamine deficiency can make people do erratic things because you're always trying to make up for the deficit in your brain or the fact that your brain cannot process it and for some people that can make you look very scatterbrained it can make you look very thoughtless and the post we were talking about was basically like it's just an inability to manage resources in your own brain and it's really just this kind of you know, people always think of it as, ooh, shiny, distracted. And that's mm-hmm. what it is, because the brain is basically trying to find things that will give it what it needs to function. And I think we do that very well here with the eye sphere in a contained way. We follow the dopamine. We don't have planned structure so much as other places. Um, I've, seen, I've like- seen some people... Yeah, I, I was talking to someone about doing a podcast with them uh, coming up. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, when? And they're like, well, I'm booked out for the next, whatever, three months. And she sh- like, we were sharing our screens, and she was scrolling through. She had scripts for all of her podcasts for the next three months. Scripts. And I was like, if I did scripts, and I'm like, if I did that, I would, not, I would not have anything to talk about because my brain would be like, okay, we did it. We wrote the thing. I don't want to do it anymore. Scripts. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean, these people are doing it. Fuck. <laughs> 
holy shit this is how the other half works yeah like because fuck i, I this couldn't... is the people this is the people that get sponsorships that is what that is to me yeah i would i would completely burn out doing that yeah. i even when it comes to novel writing i don't necessarily like planning things too much because i will get bored telling myself the story and then i don't want to fucking write it yeah and because that's the problem i have with hunger pangs i wrote the whole thing in the run up to 2019 and thinking it would be published posthumously and it would be someone else's problem to edit spoiler alert i survived what was going on with me and i now have to fix the whole thing and i'm going through (laughs) it all and i'm like this is not fun because i already know the story uh, so I really struggle with it. So I have mm-hmm. to be very careful about making sure I don't get burned out on it and finding ways to make it new and fun again. And for me, that often means looking at it with fresh eyes and going, okay, well, this doesn't work. So how does the story evolve past this? And it's I get to retell the story to myself again. Yeah, um, it's funny that you mention it kind of like that. that there's, a, there's a certain aspect of planning to do lots of things, which mentally the... It's like the dopamine of planning it has like already been done. So you end up like, yeah, I'm just thinking like there's lots of times where I've gotten really excited about certain stuff uh, and, I've yeah. pl- and I've planned a lot of it out. Like I will spend like an ungodly amount of time with this specific, oh, like, like world building, for example. If I've got like a yeah. creative, creative idea, I'll absolutely go to town on that. And then it gets to, like, uh, you know, you're excited to then tell people about it, even though you've not done any of the work for it. Real, Like, you've done a lot of the mental planning work in your own head, but that hasn't necessarily played its way out as yeah. planning for, you know, presenting it. Um, I feel like that, I feel that with a lot of my content, actually. It's very, um, it is a real problem with people that have ADHD and other neurodivergences as well that, problems with dopamine processing and it's that kind of you know how do you avoid the burnout from that and it's very difficult and it's something that I'm currently having to deal with with my own I realized last week I was heading towards burnout and it wasn't from this it wasn't from anything else it was purely because I've been doing administration work I've been doing emails solidly for the last like two months Mm. and I so I basically use my Grammarly as a glorified word tracker now because it tracks my fiction, it tracks my emails, it doesn't track anything else. I've written something like, what was it? One million... It was, it was over a million words. Yeah. One, I'm going to look it up because I've got it in here. Um, but I'd written over a million words in six months. And only 40k, 60k of that was creative stuff the rest of it was just emails and i'm like oh yeah that's why i hate everything because i'm basically destroying myself yeah doing administration work and i'm not getting to i'm not getting to follow my dopamine i'm doing things out of a sense of obligation and there are things you have to do out of obligation but for me this is not actually one of them i just feel as though i have to because people are asking me for my help and attention yeah so i'm at the i'm at the like i've said i've been saying it for like two to three years now i need a firm boundary with us i need a firm boundary with us and i do set the boundaries but then people keep pushing against them and i i don't reinforce them because i'm bad at that and especially with health stuff if people are asking me for help with like you know a lot of the emails i get are people that have developed 
long COVID, um, right. and they've developed mast cell syndrome from that. So there, and there's not a lot of resources. And I'm one of, I mean, there's a couple of us, but a lot of kind of like the the popular blogs for mast cell are very pseudoscience. They're very heal yourself with this healthy milkshake type thing. Mm, so people yeah. are looking for actual science, and there is out there, but it's not easy to understand. So yeah. you've got people emailing my blog they're emailing my email they're using my editor email to ask me health questions and i feel obliged to answer because i knew when i got sick 10 15 years ago with this i had no one to talk to there were no forums for it so i feel like oh this person's completely isolated i need to talk to them well they're not because there are forums yeah. They just need to go into the forums, but they know of me either through Tumblr or from something else, and they feel as if I'm approachable, which I I've tried to be, but it just I don't like I copy paste things like I have like a, an auto reply that I'm like oh here's my resources, and then they send me another email going but I just want someone to talk to, yeah, and I have gotten to the point where I'm going here are a list of therapists that are good with chronic illness. Yeah, I like, mean, is that all I can do now? Like, I can't do it anymore. So it's yeah. There's been a sympathetic year. I, I mean, there's been there's been a sympathetic year, which is like always nice. But yeah, the moment someone's kind of asking over and above, like you know, I need someone to talk to or whatever, then yeah, you can't. Yeah, I, it, it it gets to me like, as well because I understand. I don't begrudge anyone who on disability who makes a living. But a lot of the mass sale blogs, they charge you money to talk to them for peer advice because you can't give medical advice. Yeah. And to me, I don't like that. Um, I, I'm always very careful with when I do talk about things, I'm always saying follow with a doctor, follow up with a, you know, a physician, follow up with a pharmacist. Yeah. Um, but these people, you know, they kind of do the whole talk to your doctor, but I'm still going to take money off you to listen to you talk. And I'm like, I am not a therapist. I'm not qualified to do that. So I don't feel comfortable with that. Again, it's difficult because I know they're likely on disability or or that this is how they make their income. But for me, it's more, I don't feel comfortable with that. And people always say to me, I'll pay you money for your time. And I'm like, no, thank you. The only money I want is for my fiction, which I can't get doing because I'm doing this. Yeah. Uh, so as much as I love everyone in my community and as much as like I appreciate that people are looking for help for me I need to put down that firm boundary and be like I'm not doing this for a while I might yeah. not ever go back to it I'm going to chase my dopamine for a bit what does that look like oh it's writing short stories for a bit to try and get myself back in the groove oh it's yeah. doing the ice fair with I on Sunday and talking about fun things because that will get me in a good mood yeah, you know, it's you doing your chores first thing in the morning, so you've got the rest of the day free. Yeah, you know? it's that kind of thing, and I think, yeah, I think you're right when it comes to, like, obviously you've got a fairly significant community of folk that you do. There is this kind of like obligation to, like, look after them and stuff, but then there's got to be that kind of, like, is it that unfortunately there is that kind of parasocial bit where. Like you, you can't like you being a blog that they enjoy reading and engaging and interacting with. Like it's yeah, like it's not think- it's not a it's not a service you purchase. Like I get like yeah. like I I always find it really difficult when people talk about my streams. Like so, there's this kind of like 
line that I suppose more of the financially motivated content creators go down, where it's like, at the end of the day, you're providing an entertainment service. And if you are not earning money from that service, then like these people are getting a bunch of free entertainment for, for nothing. And you know, you shouldn't do that. And like, that's never really the kind of attitude that I've like, like had. community. Yeah. That, community is I the main focus. Community is what I've wanted. And it's one of the reasons I, when people are like, Oh, I'll give you money to talk to me about health stuff. I'm like, no. Yeah. Like that. No. And that's what puts me off a lot of, the, uh, you know, the other stuff, the, the, the people that are in my position that take money, I'm like, that's not community. That's putting you on a pedestal. Yeah. And, you know, I don't. They always talk about. That's not my goal. Yeah. They always talk about whether it's, uh, whether you're building an audience or building a community. That's the, that's the kind of two. Yeah. And it's kind of speaks back to like the content creators we were talking about earlier with like the Call of Duty operator skins. They've got audiences. Yeah. They don't have a community of folk. I mean, they might, they probably have a community of bigots that they all talk to, but like, <laughs> like chamber of they, hatred. But it's like they they have these just audiences that they spit shit out at. Whereas, like, I like to think that you know, I spend a lot of time quite talking to folk, we and that's the nature of being on Twitch. We make a point too. of not focusing on doom and gloom topics, yeah, because it's not good for our mental health. But we're also trying to protect our community. Oh, oh sorry, you're seeing a nipple there. Fuck. I yawned <laughs> or stretched <laughs> and you almost got a nipple. Sorry. Demonetized. De- demonetized. <laughs> Banned. Um, Banned I think from Twitch. That against that. Sorry. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> you, were talk- yeah, you were saying something really I, serious there and I ruined it. Can't remember now. Yeah, there's that kind of like the monetize every aspect of your life. That's a lot of the advice that I get as a yeah. content creator, and I'm sure you get that as well. It's the money, you know, if you're, you know, again, the idea of, oh, if you're doing it for free, you can be doing it for getting paid. You should yeah. have hobbies that you don't get paid for. And you don't need you to just, necessarily yeah. aggressively monetize them. Like, I mean, if I wanted to seriously monetize my streams, I would be streaming Raid Shadow Legends and ruining my life. Uh, but that wouldn't yeah. be fun. Um, and it's but I mean I also don't I don't really judge anyone who does take income from places but there are times when I will look at things and go you are a big enough content creator you admit to having staff you can do your due diligence (laughs) whether this sponsorship is problematic or not I would love to have staff that'd be amazing imagine all the shit I could do with staff that'd be fucking awesome I have a I have a virtual assistant who does one day a week for me. If I could get her for every day of the week, I would be unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's my my executive function for all the shit I don't want to do, but she keeps me on task. And I'm like, imagine what I could do if I could actually do this full time. It's like I'd t- have to sell it. <laughs> I'd have to do all the awful things I don't want to do. But that's the kind of like it's um as Blue likes to say, you can have a dedicated cat camera. I, I could. Um, and Tundra's yeah. asking, what, what are you? You're perfect, is what you are, Tundra. <laughs> Buttered up is what you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's just, it's, it's a weird, I don't know, it's so weird because you have people that are very willing to exploit the hyperactivity of ADHD, but they're never willing to look at what is actually healthy for creators with ADHD. 
Yeah. And I know <laughs> what would be great is I was going to say what would be great is medication <laughs> and a yeah. diagnosis. Yeah. Like I am at the point where I am considering begging my doctor, like, hey, I know I have a heart condition, but I I need help. I need <laughs> something that fix my brain because, like, I. I just don't have the ability to focus, yeah. and it's because I went through that severe. P- I go. Th- I've gone through multiple stages of burnout. The worst was after finishing Hunger Pangs, the first book. I for a full year yeah, couldn't do anything. Yeah, you had a tough then time. I started, yeah, then I started feeling better, and then I got migraines for a full year straight. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not supposed to do the next book, am I? But this year, I've been getting a lot more done, but. It was amazing to me this week because I literally, I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday, I'm like, I'm going to stop answering my emails for a bit. Sorry, guys, it, you're going into the queue or yeah. you're going into the, the auto reply. And within two days, I'd fallen back into, I'm going to write for fun. I'm going to, I got like three chapters of Sugar Vladdy ready to post. I got yeah. like a chapter of actual Hunger Pangs book two that I've been struggling for like over a month to finish. I got that done. And I'm like, oh. It's like I shouldn't be doing everything all at once. It's like constantly yeah. trying to hustle and grind is not conductive to actual productivity. Is it really um, bad that with like five minutes to go, I've remembered what I wanted to talk about on ADHD? <laughs> you can go. You can, I have time. I can it's, hang on. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's really just a quick one, but like one of the things I've been really, really struggling with recently, right, is um, finding a game uh, or finding a TV series that I have been like really into. And I feel like I, I sit in this perpetual searching for something to enjoy, yeah. um, which has been a fucking nightmare. Cause like there's parts of me where I'm like, Oh, I would really like to play that game. And on one hand I'm like, I'm going to save that for stream though. And that's, that's another issue that we can talk about at another time. But like, I like oh I'm not going to stream this game because uh, sorry I'm not going to play this game because it would be good on stream and like trying to find games that I uh, that are very much me like one of the games that I really want to play is Jedi Survivor and it's not fixed yet on PC so I've just not been able to like play it at all which is I got my PC to play it but my PC um I had to take it apart and let it cool down because it was oh. so warm to the touch I left a thumbprint in the plastic. Oh Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. It was that's... it was melting. It was yeah. melting. So um don't do that if you <laughs> see that's older than one year old. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So I mean like that's that's the sort of thing that I'm running into. And that like I found it with TV shows as well. So like you know when you finish a TV show and you're kind of like, oof fuck, I don't really know what to do. Like I've ended up kind of like dipping my toe into a number of things and then they all kind of like you know it's like you you know when you like you download a game on steam and it's like it's a game you've maybe played before but you kind of like hype yourself up to get back into it and then you play mm-hmm. it for 10 minutes and you were like this is totally not what i was like hoping it would take it's the not release. sparking the dopamine it's not giving yeah. you like the i mean i literally say oh i've got not i've got nothing to play my steam library is like yeah, my, my, my Steam library is like hundreds of, hundreds of stuff over the years. And like, to be honest, I don't think the weather's helping, right? I'm fucking roasting all the time. Like, I'm just sitting here. I mean, you can probably tell <laughs> as as I say, as I say here, I'm fucking roasting. Uh, yeah, I guess a shiny face. But like, yeah, there's just, there's nothing like, you know, 
you know when you find a game like that you've played before like for example I'm, I'm waiting on my brain going like oh Mass Effect you love Mass Effect let's mm-hmm. play the Mass Effect trilogy again and I play 1, 2 and 3 and that like consumes my time and like that's it like or like Dragon Age or you know like something that I can properly sink my teeth into I just I haven't I've been searching for ages and I just haven't found it uh, I suppose it's like yeah chasing that like dopamine is a bit of a chore is something I'm a bit nervous about but yeah I mean it's the thing is as well because you do it as part of your like I I encountered this when I became a professional writer writing for fun became less appealing because it was also the part of my brain that does it for work so I had to find other hobbies that were not because I still enjoy it I still enjoy doing things but astute readers will notice that I have not updated anything not hunger pangs for the last two years because my brain doesn't want to because it thinks writing is now work and for me i gaming i think if i was doing it all the time gaming would also become work and my brain would be like you want to do something else this this is also yeah this is also a wee bit my worry about like also working in the games industry is that like i i play games uh, at work to like capture footage and like do stuff like that and it's like i end up just kind of existing permanently in in this thing so yeah i'm like maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna try like i'm i've, I've applied for partner fingers crossed right Yay. it would be, be wonderful for any of you who don't know i successfully made path to partner the achievement we fulfilled the three criteria and i got to write my application and i've submitted it um i may get rejected but i am hoping that i that i don't but like if <laughs> whatever have when i when i hear that decision i may or may not take a bit of a break um me and jessica are actually on holiday like next week so i'll be out for like a couple of things uh but the yeah it's like i'm, I'm kind of hoping that they accept it because then i can be like i have been accepted i can now chill for a little bit and then we can kind yes. of like get back in because I do think I need to try and make that distinction a wee bit more. I think another thing recently that's happened is that like I get sent quite a lot of games now, uh, which I mm-hmm. didn't before, which is great because I get to play so many awesome games and I don't need to like spend a million pounds on them. Um, but it also means that I have a lot of games that I kind of need to show off on stream. So I'm going to try and like dial it back a little bit so I'm not just like chasing like okay this is the next showcase because we were really enjoying like Killer Frequency last week last week was mm-hmm. really good fun and then you know but I've got like I've got a demo I've, got, I've been sent a copy of like Mask of the Rose I've, you know like there's there's other stuff that I need to show um, so yeah it's either up my streaming days so I can showcase more stuff or I do whatever and of course I've got to kind of balance that so that's my mm-hmm. gripe with everything at the moment uh but yeah i think it's valid i think it's i think when we live in a culture where you're told to monetize every aspect of your life i think it's fair to want to push back against that and to actually go no actually i'm taking time for myself yeah and to do what i want to do and it's it is difficult because you can feel obligated like for me it's like i remember a couple of years ago i was like i can't stop posting because if i stop posting people won't buy the book and i mean 
for yeah. anyone that's not aware who's listening i was literally dying at the time i had an undiagnosed disorder that was um slowly killing me and i was still putting in 80 hours a week of work yeah because i was convinced if it went away i'd never get it back and uh five years later people are still here and they're still telling me to take a break so like i don't know who needs to hear this but me? you can slow down <laughs> the opportunities are still going to be there but they won't be there if you're not there to take them so slow down take things at your own pace there will always be other opportunities you don't get one shot at things that's fair that's really good advice for everyone else in chat i will be ignoring it completely um i'm too far <laughs> gone manifest in your house save, like snakes save yourselves um <laughs> Right, I think that we can maybe wrap up there. Yeah. Uh, right, thank you very much to everyone who's listening on the old podcast front. Um, that was a very sporadic episode, but we hope you enjoyed our, our ramblings. We, Go were, we were cheating dopamine. That was what exactly. we were doing. Go watch Love, Death, Robots. Um, yeah. And for those of you who are in Twitch chat, do hang around. We will be talking for a wee bit uh, before we before we head off. So thanks very much for those listening on the podcast and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.